Hello, and welcome to the Equiline Podcast. This is Dr. Wendy Corin. And this is Dr. Dave Lundquist. And today I want to talk to you about the question that we get constantly. And it makes me smile on a lot of levels because it reveals so much about who the person is who's asking, what their expectations are, what their education has been, and a lot of ways who we are. And that question is, what do you call your technique? Oh, we hear that so often. And people, are, people like to box techniques. And, you know, when you deal with a lot of different people, a lot of different sports, a lot of different animals, you end up developing a technique that works for the person or animal that you're working with at the time. Exactly. You know, and, and when we use the comment, everything causes everything, or anything can cause everything, some people think we're being facetious. And in fact, it is the most educated answer that we can possibly give. Because just like the princess and the pea, you can have a pebble in your foot that ends up as a migraine. And you can take all the drugs in the world, and unless you remove the pebble, the symptom is not going to go away. So for us, the investigation is part of the technique to find what's the difference that makes the difference. And the advantage of being 40 plus years in practice is we've been exposed to many, 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 many <laughs> techniques that have names and have protocols and have sequence of treatment that can be very useful for that one patient who fits that criteria. But just like it's hard to find the family with two and a half kids, it is difficult to find the actual client that does best with only one choice in terms of assistance. You hear us say it takes a village. That's true. And, and in this case, we're not talking about other practitioners, uh, veterinary assistants, medical assistants, uh, acupuncture, massage, what we're talking about is in the realm of what you do, how bogged down are you by naming it? Yeah, and, and this all started for me. I mean, I went to school at, uh, in, in the early 80s at National College of Chiropractic, which is now National Health Sciences or National University. They changed the name. But at the time, they taught basically just one technique. It was called diversified. And that was basically the most exposure I had technique-wise. They had an SOT club, and they had... Which stands for sacral occipital technique. Yes. And they had a kinesiology club. That was it. They didn't have any other techniques that they taught. In fact, they didn't teach the... The clubs taught the technique, not the school. And so I was very limited on my technique when I came out. And it didn't take me long to figure out that, guess what? Not everyone fit in a diversified box. So then I had to learn something else. I started seeking out information. Okay, this didn't work for this person. What am I going to use? And then I, got to, then I got involved with SOT, which is the sacro-occipital technique. And I went to classes and went to, went to seminars to learn that technique. And I, I added that to my box because it takes a toolbox sometimes to fix people, not just a technique. 
Well, and animals teach you that. Uh, back in 2006, I think we were writing a book on equine yeah. chiropractic, and Dustin, it was before he actually had the intent to go to veterinary school, was there uh, with us creating the book and the languaging. And I said, well, we always start here. And he looked at me and said, no, you don't. And I said, that's true, I don't. I intend to always start at the right front, coffin joint, and sometimes that horse isn't ready for there and needs me to start at the pole or needs me to start at the hip. And you have to have that sense, that ability to read that creature that you're there to help so that the technique you use is appropriate, as Dave said at the beginning, for the moment. Now, I had a different experience. I graduated New York Chiropractic College in 1980, and we were exposed to upper cervical technique, Logan technique, diversified technique, Gonstead technique, uh, even more names. Uh, diversified being the least logical thing I have ever been exposed to and something that I actually didn't ever apply because every human I touched with my pisiform on their spinous process and ouch, so I thought, well, I'm not going to do that. So feedback. Feedback is the most important thing in developing your technique. And we laughed last week. We said, well, so what's your technique called? Dave said, Wendy and Dave. Um, sometimes I call it Fred. Uh, it's, it's more about when you're learning and you choose to name something, it limits your perception. And what we would like to inspire in anyone listening is to open your apertures and take in and give as much as you possibly can with all of your resources as opposed to having one choice and expecting everyone to fall into that box. And we developed a general technique specifically for riders based on the type of injuries that we generally see or the issues that riders generally have. And it involves a lot of a technique called therapy localization where you're actually asking the body, their body, where the issues are, and then you're doing muscle testing and then adjusting and then re-muscle testing, which is a great technique for really giving the client an idea of, you know, I adjust this and then all of a sudden look how much stronger this part of your body has become. And it's not that the part is stronger, it's just working more efficiently so it seems stronger. So you get immediate results that the patient can see, which has been a great technique. And it allows us to evaluate a good Part, you know, the whole body from toes to what I call toes to nose, because we don't, and with, especially with riders, and you know, riders can't come to us three days a week. They can come to us when they're there at the show. So we see them. So we have a tendency to evaluate the whole body and treat as many pieces as we can because we don't know when we're going to see them again. And it's about whole body work, just like we do with the animals. It's whole body work. We look at the whole body and put it together. And where people tend to notice their animal's issue, when someone notices that they're not picking up a left lead or when they're noticing that they're not taking off over the poles the way they can or have in the past, often it's the compensation that is the most noticeable part. So when you have a system, an open-minded system of evaluating where you don't filter out what's happening because you have a technique that you need to fit them into, 
then you're able to provide a much greater uh, choice pattern for you to be a positive source of, of interference in that unhealthy or, or undesired pattern. I saw a meme this week that was really appropriate. In fact, uh, it, was, it was a perfect chuckle for the humans that have been in our lives lately. And it were two horses talking over a fence. And one said, I pulled a groin this week. And they said, oh, that's too bad. How do you feel? And the Arizona said, fine, it wasn't my groin. So, you know, the um, interesting patterns we see are that equestrians are a horse human and not a person on a horse or a horse being ridden by a human. But it's a six-legged animal, and our technique has to involve both of them in order to be effective, which means it can't be a human-based adjusting technique because the ribs on the horse might be affected by the rib of the human not breathing correctly and tightening up and transferring that pattern onto the animal they're riding or having one leg that's on the horse and one leg that's not on the horse. And all of these things are part of your interaction with the patient in order to get the best results possible. It's not simple. It's very easy once you're willing to let go of naming and go for results. We share this information in a class that we teach called human-induced equine imbalance. Basically what that means is the rider can screw up the horse or the horse can screw up the rider because riders a lot of times sacrifice their body to get the horse to do what it needs to do. And sometimes the horse sacrifices its body because of the rider on its back isn't balanced. So the idea of our whole technique is to balance the two pieces as a team. Because when both of them are more balanced, performance increases. That's all, it's as simple as that because structure determines function. When the structure's off, then the function's off. And the function has to compensate for that structure. And that's why functionally sound, whether it's an equestrian, canine, or whatever animal you are working with for optimum performance or optimum comfort, you have to take into account what's excellent behavior and excellent performance for one isn't the same for something else. Therefore, the technique you use has to be flexible enough to accommodate a wide range of expectations and desires from the person who is looking for help for their horse, for their dog, and for themselves. And I truly, the humans that we take care of primarily are are for the purpose of helping their animals. As Dave said, the best thing I can do for a lot of our horses is to make sure their riders are balanced so that they don't have to sacrifice their bodies for them. So they don't have to have withers in pain because the rider's riding on their forehands so much that all that weight balance has to take place. Or landing in the middle of a jump on the back of the saddle. Or you know, or, or, or. There's unlimited possibilities. And so when you think about asking the question, 
What technique do you use? Remember, first in practice, patients would use it because they believed that since they had results from someone using X technique, that that's the only technique that, that would, they would get results from. And that, I found that true with people seeking us for assistance with their animals. They want to follow the footsteps they've already been. Now, if something has been most effective in the past, obviously you want to know that and why do something different if that works. You want to have options and know of options so that if something shifts, you can shift with it. Yeah, and we have a plaque in our office and it says, we help animals with people problems. And that's true because it's basically what happens. A lot of, even with the dogs, you know, people are walking their dogs and a lot of the dog training has the dog always on one side. The dog's always looking up to the same angle, looking up to its, looking up to its owner for instructions, creates neck issues on one side. So there's a lot of issues that you have to deal with. And we run into this with different disciplines in the horse world because we're not gonna treat the polo horse the same way we treat a reining horse or a reining horse the same way we treat a jumping horse or a jumping horse the same way we treat a hunter horse or, 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 or dressage or, dressage or, or and driving horses. And what level horses. they're doing and, and driving. Oh, and driving in four when you, when you have to know the difference between your lead guy and your wheel guy. When you're- yeah, your, where, brake, your brake horse and your- Exactly. Yeah. So guess what? Awareness matters more than names of technique. What? What do you look at? If you want to ask a question of someone in, in choosing a provider, ask, how do you evaluate? That's going to give you more insight into the competence of this individual that you're choosing for your care than necessarily the name of their technique. Because we know people who've been to named technique seminars one, two, or three times, but they don't come out knowing how to use it. Yeah. They come out having been exposed to it. So you want to ask when you're choosing a provider, what do, you, what do you think about? How do you evaluate? How do you decide what to do? And that's truly going to give you some insight into the quality of care that your animal is likely to receive. Yeah. And I think uh, we impress a lot of riders because we evaluate using that muscle testing. And you, you're going to obviously see weakness. And when that weakness shows up, and then you compare side to side, and you're like, oh, wow, you're really strong on the right, but you're really weak on the left. Let's see if we can balance that out. And then you adjust them, you recheck, whoa, it's balanced out. It's a great way to show people that even though they didn't feel an issue in that area, there was an issue in that area. So we're using our quote, quote, technique or variety of techniques to find the issues and fix the issues. And basically what that is doing is connecting the brain to the body part. Obviously, we're not changing strength in a muscle in seconds, but we are changing awareness, connectivity to that in seconds, which will then allow the body to continue to use it and build it and balance it out. So for whether you are looking to help any kind of creature, Matching expectations with your experience is very important. We're not fixing. We're bringing attention to something and then advising people as to what part of their body needs the most attention. That's why I love it when people bring puppies. 
Some of my favorite breeders will bring us a litter of puppies and say, evaluate them. Let us know what to look for as they grow up so that they can get the best care wherever they go in this universe. That, to me, is someone who has an expectation that we love to meet and provide input, you know. And, and another question I, I get asked a lot with our technique is, how, how come that spot is always out? It's always that spot that people will say that to us all the time. How come that spot's always it? Well, it, a lot of it has to do with your body's writing reflex. You know, your, your, if your pelvis goes off, your body has a writing reflex, which always keeps your head upright. Have you ever seen that little old lady walking down the street who her back's really hunched over, but yet her head's still upright looking straight ahead? And that's the body's writing reflex. It always has a way to keep the head upright and straight forward. And what happens is when your pelvis twists, you can see what happens has to happen to your body, the rest of your body and everything in between to keep that head upright. So that creates an issue, a lot of times a spot right in between people's shoulders. And another thing that, you know, that's created by a lot of times too right now is everything's down in front of us. Our computers are down in front of us. Our phones are down in front of us. Probably the phone's the worst. But people get hunched over their stuff. They round their shoulders, their head down, and they're rounded out. That creates a lot of issues in the middle part of their back. So we find that as a very common compensation for what's going on in other places. I always say when I was practicing up in uh, Connecticut and I would see somebody who walked so far in their forehand with their head jutted out because they didn't have a top line. And I'd say, okay, you look a little like my uncle from Miami. And uh, you can make that picture in your head if you'd like to. Lack of awareness of the top line, whether you're a horse or a dog or a human, causes destruction. So to reiterate, when somebody asks you as a practitioner, what's the name of your technique, think about what they are really asking. Think about what you are really answering if you give them a name and decide, is that how you want to practice and how you want to be treated? If so, go right ahead. If not, think about it and question. Because as you know, questioning is the best way to make the best choice for yourself and your animal. This is Dr. Wendy Corin. This is Dr. Dave Lundquist. And this has been an Equiline podcast.